Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're in a series called Preppers. Preppers. Last week we talked about how God desires for us to prepare for his presence. And really when we say preppers, what we're meaning is this. The really the Lord put in my heart was really, I want to be a person, I want to be a church that we would be a people that we're preparing for all that God has for us in 2023. It's interesting because anything that we care about or anyone that we care about, we prepare for. You're never going to go to someone's house that really cares about you and they haven't prepped for you. you never, you're never going to have somebody over that you really care about. Y'all know your mom or your wife, they'd be prepping. You know what I'm saying? And so you're doing all this preparation. You're like, mom, we haven't cleaned that toilet in six months. And she's like, exactly. Get on, your t- get on the toilet. You know what I'm saying? That being said, we, want, we, want to t- we take time to prepare. Why? Because we care. It should be the same way with God. As we desire things from God, we should be people that say, we're going to prepare for God. We can't just say, okay, God, we want you to move, or God, we want you to bless, or we want you to provide, or we want you to speak, or we want, we want you closer to us. If we're not willing to say, God, we want to do our part. As we prepare and do our part, God, we believe and trust you're going to do our part, at your part, excuse me, in 2023. Does that make sense? So that's really what this series is about. So we talked about preparing for his presence. Today, I want to talk to you about preparing for God's promises. Preparing for God's promises. And God has all these incredible promises for us uh, all throughout the scripture. You can read them. And today, I'm not going to necessarily talk to you about what those promises are. You can read through the scripture. You can even Google, what are God's promises? I mean, thank you, Google. And you can come up with all, there's all different incredible promises all throughout the scripture that God promises to you and I. That being said, I'm not gonna necessarily talk so much about that as I am. I wanna talk today about really how we can prepare for his promises. And so I wanna show it to you in 2 Peter chapter three, uh, chapter one, excuse me, today, starting in verse three, it says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for a living, a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called to himself, us to himself, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. He has given us great and precious promises. Okay, there's he's talking about. He's talking about all these promises. These are the promises that enable you, check this out, to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. He gives us all these precious promises, but then not only does he give them to us, they, he gives them to us because it enables us to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption, okay, caused by human desires. Verse five, for this very reason, make every effort, excuse me, to supplement your faith with a generous provision, okay, of moral excellence, of of moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, check this out, he just mentioned seven things. And then he says, the more that you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Check out verse nine. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, 
forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Check it out. He says, work hard to prove that you really are among those that God has called and chosen, Christians, believers. Work hard to prove, to show that you really are among those that God has called and chosen. And do these things, and you will never fall away. In this scripture, Peter says, I want you to know there are these incredible promises that God has given us. And then he says, I want you to know what the promises are for. He doesn't say the promises of God, hear me, the promises of God in the scripture are not to make us rich. There's nothing wrong with money, but that's not the purpose of the promises of God. The promises of God are not to make us happy. There's nothing wrong with happiness, but that's not the purpose of the promises of God. The promises of God are not to make us feel like we're closer to God. That's not the purpose. That's not what the scripture says. Right here he says the purpose in verse four, he says the purpose of them, watch, I'll read to you, because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These promises are to enable that, to enable us that you may share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption through human desires. The purpose of God's promises in our lives is so that we can share in his divine nature, okay? One of the promises of God is that if we accept him and believe in him and confess that we need him, that he's Lord, the Bible says we become saved. We become forgiven. We become sons and daughters. We're adopted into the family of God if we accept him. That being said, that's one of the promises, to share in his divine nature. What does that mean? The DNA of who he is. We, we actually get adopted into the family of God if we believe in him. And the promise is now we are sons and daughters of him. Okay? You are a son of, of God or a daughter of God. You, you, you share in the very nature, divine nature of who God is. And then it says, not just stops there. The promises are also for us to share his nature and divine nature, but then also it says to escape the worldly corruption through evil or human desires. What does that mean? That means if we're here, God gives us these promises. One, to share his nature, to be sons and daughters, but then also then to walk out and live the way that we are called and desire to live a godly lifestyle for him. So the purpose of the, purpose of the promises, before we ever get into what we're talking about today, the purpose of the promises is not to make us this, this we're just floating along in cloud nine. No, it's so that we can receive the, and be adopted into his family and so that we can walk out and live more like Christ in our life. Does that make sense? Make sense? Okay, and then verse five, check this out. I'm gonna give it to you right here. It says, verse five, it says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with a generous provision. To supplement your faith, okay? Supplement your faith. The source of receiving God's promises are not these seven things. The source of receiving God's promises is faith, Everything that we do in Christ is through faith. So we believe, and through believing, he moves. He, ha- he makes things happen. He forgives. He redeems. He sets us free. Okay, so it's God. It's believing in him. That's the source, okay? But th- Peter says, I want you to also supplement your faith. I want you to use these seven things to build up your faith. If you go to a gym or you go to a, 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 a workout class or exercise anywhere, you know, people all over the place are taking supplements, that's what they do. They love supplements. You know what I'm saying? They're like, they, some people, I go to the gym, and some people, they have goodie bags of supplements. You know what I'm saying? It's like 15 different supplements, like popping pills, the whole, like, bro, you're weird. You know what I'm saying? No, you're not. You're, you are, okay? How, how foolish would it be 
if we just popped a bunch of supplements and then expected to lose weight or expected to gain weight or expected uh, to, to gain mass or whatever it is that we wanted, how foolish would it look like for us? It's just like we're sitting on a couch watching TV, eating potato chips, and we're like, yeah, man, I've been hitting these supplements for a month, man, and I'm really seeing a lot of results. No, you're not. No, you're not. Why? Because they're not the source of what you're trying to do. They're just a supplement to help the source, which is exercise, workout, lift weights, whatever it may be. It's the same thing with these seven things. I don't want you to ever get caught up and think, okay, it's a bunch of works. I have to do a bunch of things to receive God's promises. That's not true. We receive God's promises through faith. We then take that faith and we put it into action. And through putting it into action, now we allow ourselves to supplement our faith, to build our faith, to receive from him. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So that's what it is, okay? The supplement. Then it says, I love this. It says, supplement with a generous, a generous portion, a generous provision. Generous means a lot of. It doesn't mean, oh, you know what, I feel like a little bit, I'll just sprinkle this here. No, generous means I'm being, I'm just gonna give it. I'm, I'm, I'm being overly giving on what it is that God's asked me to do. So these seven things, he said, I want you to supplement your faith, but I want you to be generous in that supplement. I want you to make sure you're giving a lot. I want you to make sure you're doing these seven things, working hard on these seven things so that you can really receive all the promises that God has for you. When I was young, many years ago now, and probably over 30 years ago, we would visit, me and my brothers and sister, we would visit my grandmother in Barwick, Georgia. Barwick, Georgia. Anybody know where Barwick, Georgia is? Come on, somebody. Nobody, anybody? Nobody? Two people. Okay, cool. Barwick, Georgia is about 30 minutes outside of Thomasville. And uh, when we were kids, we didn't know where Barwick, Georgia was either, okay? I still don't. I just know it's somewhere out there, okay? Anyway, really small town. We would go and visit my grandmother and my grandfather in Barwick, Georgia. And my grandmother, uh, she, they had a neighbor, and her name uh, was Miss Martha. Her name was Miss Martha, and Miss Martha was a single elderly lady who was just one of the most friendly people on the planet. And she would come over, and she would come and talk to my grandmother, whose name was Nancy. And Miss Martha had an had a accent, and she talked a lot like this. And she would come over, and she would say, Oh, Nancy. When are you going to bring those sweet grandchildren over so I can feed them some ice cream? And I'm like, Grandma, I'll take the ice cream anytime you want. Thank you. And so we would beg Grandma to take us over. And she's like, and Nancy, anytime you want, you bring those sweet grandchildren over. I want to give them some ice cream. I got all different flavors. Bring them, bring me some ice cream. Let me, let me scoop them some ice cream. I'm like, Grandma, you better, you better take us. We're about to sneak out. You better take us to, Nan- to, to, to Miss Martha, Martha. Excuse me. And so I'll remember Miss Martha, at a very young age, taught me what generosity was. We went, we'd go to her house, and we'd sit at her table, and my grandmother would have the ice cream, and she'd have the bowl of ice cream, and she'd be scooping it. And she'd be scooping and make sure, she, my grandmother's making sure that everybody gets the certain amount. There were a lot of grandchildren. She's making sure all the grandchildren get a certain amount, so everybody's good, and she don't want to run out. And, and we're like, Grandma, we want more than this. Like, we need way more ice cream than just a teaspoon. Grandma, scoop it. Don't be shy. And Miss Martha would come over, of course, Miss Martha, and she was the most sweetest lady. She'd come over, she'd push my grandma out of the way, and she'd, she'd, Nancy, give me that bowl. And she grabbed a big old ice cream bowl. She'd, here, here, you take a big old, and she went dig up in there so deep. Here you go, son, you take that. There you go. Thank you, Miss Martha. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
And she would take it up and she'd scoop. And my grandmother, I never forget this lady, many, many years ago, I can't wait to see her again in heaven one day. And I'm gonna tell her how much her ice cream meant to me. But this, this little lady who she, she taught me generosity in such a young age, my grandmother would say this, I still remember at such a young age, my grandmother would say, well, we're not gonna have enough, we're gonna run out. And Miss Martha would always say, almost every day, because we'd make sure at a certain time, we hit Miss Martha, so y'all know what I'm saying. She said, oh, Nancy, it's all good. It's okay, Nancy. I'll just go to the store and I'll pick up some more. No worries. Here's what generosity is. Generosity is, I'm not as concerned about what's on my plate as I am what's on your plate. I want to be more concerned about what's on your plate than I do my own plate. Why? Because I know I have a source that I can go to and fill me up. But I want to make sure you're filled up and so I'm willing to give whatever I have because I'm generous in the way that I live my life. Miss Martha, she's in heaven and I'm going to see her one day. That being said, when Peter says a generous amount, that's what he's talking about. In this scripture, he gives us seven different things. And some of these things are where we have to let go of things. We have to remove things in our lives. And a lot of times when that happens in our human nature, we can say, oh, I don't want to give it up. Or, oh, I don't want to let it go. Or, I don't want to do it. And we can look at that. And that's not generosity. Generosity is no, I'm willing to give it. Why? Because I know that it's more important to give because I know on the other side of giving the joy that it is. And so I'm willing to let some of these things go because I know there's a greater life beyond it. Does that make sense? Make sense? That's what generosity is all about. And he says, I want you to be generous in this. Then he gives us seven things. My plan was, if I'm being very vulnerable with you in the first service, my plan was to go over all seven. If you know me and you've ever been in a conversation or a message with me, you know I can barely get through three points. Today, I tried to get through seven points. I'm gonna be honest with you, I got through two of them. Okay, there we go. Here it is. Okay, good. So that being said, this is a three-part series uh, in a side of a series. So it's like a mini-series in the series. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? We're just staying relevant with the TV network shows or something. It doesn't matter. So I'm going to give you the first two because guess what? I can't get through all seven today. I wish I could. I tried. The Holy Spirit literally, while I was studying this week, was like, you should make this three messages. And I was like, no, I can do it. No, I can't. Okay, I'm just going to be on. I'm being vulnerable with you. Here it was. Okay. So I'm going to give you the first two today. We'll talk more about the others later. But the first two, you know, the, the body, our, our, our life is made up of body, soul, spirit. And our soul is made up of mind, will, emotion. And in this, these seven things, I see how Peter really breaks down in this department, these three different areas, mind, will, and emotion. And so today I want to talk to you about how God wants us to prepare our minds. He wants us to prepare our minds. He says, first, he says, I want you to know, I want you to be generous in supplementing your faith with moral excellence. Moral excellence. What is that? It's the mind. Well, you're like, oh, well, moral excellence, what does it mean? It really means your standards, your moral standards. And moral excellence means someone that has high moral standards. You're like, well, that's a lifestyle. That's, a, that's the standards. That's, that's not my mind. Yes, it is. Why? Because every standard that we hold to starts here. And so here's what it is. He says, I want you to first understand, I want you to supplement your faith by I want you to make sure that you're generously building up your mind the way God has called you to. The scripture says in Colossians chapter three and verse two, I want you to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. I want you to set your mind. I want you to, the way that you think, I want you to set your mind on things that are above. And oftentimes as humans, here's what happens. We are so caught up in all the things going on around us that our mind is anywhere but on things above. 
Our mind can be on our frustration with a family member. Our minds can be on frustrations of things at work. And our minds can be frustrated on things of, 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 of going on. Or it can, sometimes our minds can be on, on joyful things, on a relationship, or on things that are happening in our lives, on a promotion. And all those things are great. But if we're not careful, here's what happens. What I set my mind on is where my eyes are drawn. What I set my mind on is where my eyes are drawn. You ever bought a car or purchased a used car and you're like, man, I got a new Ford or it's a 2021 and you're like, man, it's new. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, that ain't new. Yes, it is. You just shut up, okay? And so I got this new vehicle. I'm feeling good. It's, it's blue and it's a blue Ford. And man, I haven't seen any of these anywhere. I'm like the only one that has this blue Ford. And you purchase the blue Ford and you start driving down the road. And do you ever notice how many blue Fords you see? All of a sudden, you're with somebody else in the car. You're not driving the blue Ford. And you see a blue Ford and you're like, that person just stole my car. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why? Because what we set our minds on is what we see. It's what our minds are drawn to. Now, here's what's interesting. What we see and what we set our eyes on is where we go. So this is why it's so important. God says, I want you to set your mind on things above. Why? Because what you set your mind on is immediately where your eyes are gonna go. And so where your eyes on, that's why Jesus says, fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to fix your eyes. Why? Because where you fix your eyes is where we're gonna go. And so this is why it's so important that we would be a people that evaluate what we are setting our minds on. The scripture says in Philippians chapter four and verse eight, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is excellence or any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I've taught this scripture before many times actually. And, you know, as I was reading it the other day, I saw, you know, true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. And as I was thinking about this and studying this, I couldn't help but think, who's one person on this planet that hit, can hit all of these? Jesus. I love it in Philippians, Paul was writing to the Philippian church and he said, I want you to think about all those things. Well, it's not just I want you to think about how the world sees it. No, what I want you to do is I want you to think about Jesus. He's pure. He's just. He's true. He's honorable. He's lovely. He's commendable. He's excellent. How do we think about Jesus? How do we set our minds on Jesus? How do we do this? Through reading the scripture. It's so important that you would be a people, hear me, that we would be, me included, we would be a people that study the life of Jesus. Jesus said, whatever I have done, I've only done what I've seen the Father do. Whatever I've said, I've only said what I've, what I've seen the father or heard the father say. What does this mean? It's, he wants to show us a picture of God the father. And so through studying the word in Jesus's life, it's not just some book. It's not just some stories. It's not just some dude that lived 2,000 years ago. No, as we study his word, here's what happens. We, begin, we can begin to set our minds on him. And through setting our minds on him, here's what happens. The word begins to get in our hearts and now we can start to say, God, now our minds are set. Now our eyes and our attention is on you. And from our eyes and our attention being on you, now we begin to shift and we start to live the way that you've called us and created us to live. Does that make sense? It's so important. You set your mind 
Because here's what happens. If we don't set our mind on Jesus, if we don't study the life of Jesus, we'll create our own standards. And then what we'll do is, hear me, this is what human nature does. We will think that because we feel good about it, that's what a moral standard is. Our feelings, I'm sorry if this hurts your feelings. It's, it's just the truth. Our feelings have nothing to do with moral standards. Moral standards are not something we can create. It's something Jesus lived. And so we walk and understand moral excellence. How do we really have the moral standards that we want? How do we get our mindset on? We have to read the scripture and we have to read the life of Jesus and study the life of Jesus. And from there, there is where we see what moral excellence is. There is where we set the standard. My standard is not on what I think. If that's the case, then all of us feel different things and so all of us have different standards. And so then now, what is truly high standard, what is not? So then now, this is what happens in churches all the time. Then somebody says, well, you're not living the way that I want you to live and you're not doing the things I want you to do and you're not saying the things that I would say and you're going to the places I wouldn't go. And so now we're expecting you to reach the standards that I have and you're expecting me to reach the standards you have and here's what happens. Now everybody's standards off and everybody starts getting offended and everybody starts getting mad. Well, that's because the standard is not us. The standard is him. But we can never truly know the standards unless we study the standard and that's Jesus. And if you expect, oh, I'm sorry if this hurts your feelings, I'm not trying to. I kind of am, but it's okay. If you expect to know God's standard and not study the scripture, if you expect to know the standards of God by just coming to church on a Sunday, you're going to miss it. Church is actually another supplement to our faith. It's not the source of our faith. And so here's what we do. We study the life of Jesus, and from that, we see who he is. And from there, we begin to live the way he's called us to. It's been interesting. I get in these little kicks as a person in the new year, beginning of the new year. I like to study new things and learn new things throughout different new years. That's like kind of one of my things I do. And so this year, one of the things God's been working in my heart and really been just speaking to me about personally is really studying creation. I've been studying, I've been studying uh, really the, the book of Genesis and then not just the book of Genesis. I've been reading different books and listening to different uh, 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 podcasts. And, uh, I've just been studying creation. And it's been interesting to me because I've been setting my mind on those things, on creation, studying it. It's been interesting. Without even anybody telling me to, what's been happening is my eyes have been more, I've been more aware of creation around me. The other day, uh, I was at a parking garage and I was frustrated about being in the parking garage. There's people, you know how you get in a parking garage and like there's that one person that like turns, but they like. And then they stop in the middle of the turn. And then they go again. Like, Why'd you stop? Okay, anyways, it doesn't matter. It's just things I'm working through. Frustrated about being in the parking garage. I was late. I was, I was frustrated. Then I, there was no parking spots. I had to get all the way to the top. And then my truck's outside in the sunlight. And I'm all frustrated. I got to be at the top. I can't even sit where, in the shade. Now my truck's going to be hot because it was like 75 degrees one day and then 20 degrees last night. It's okay. I'm working through that too. It's okay. Anyways, and I'm frustrated. And I'm walking towards the door. My truck's over here to the left. And there's this, y'all know how this parking garage is on the outside of the parking garage. There's this railing or this cement block that's kind of, you know, guarding everybody from going over. And on the other side of the block were all these, these trees, these very large trees. And it was a windy day. And I get out the truck. I'm frustrated. I shut the door. I hit the alarm. I'm walking. And I can all of a sudden just being, again, set my mind on how aware I, I've become. 
I hear the wind blowing the trees. And I hear, y'all know what a tree sounds like, come on. It's not your, it's not, it doesn't matter, okay, it doesn't matter. And I'm hearing a shh. And so the most interesting thing happened. True story, this is, this is real. I go over to the side, and for about two minutes, maybe a little bit more, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the rail looking over, and I'm just watching and listening to the trees. You know, the Lord spoke to my heart in that moment. True story. Spoke to my heart in that moment. He said, listen, do you hear the trees worshiping? The Bible says that all of creation worships God. Hear me, hear me. This has been so, it's been such a revelation for me. He said, all of creation worships me. And so I sit there and I'm listening. I hear the shh. And I begin to realize the trees, the noise and the sound they make is worshiping the creator of the universe. I started thinking about the waves crashing and how the very waves we hear, we just take it for granted because it's something that we know is normal and the waves crashing. This is this worship, the sound that they make is worshiping the creator of the universe. I, I, the other night in the rain, it was raining and it was pouring down rain. I go out to my porch, I'm just watching the rain. Listen, and the rain is literally, it's coming down and this, this of the rain and God, God was speaking to my heart. Listen to how the rain is worshiping the creator of the universe. And it's so cool because the Bible says that all of creation worships. And so their worship sounds different than ours, but it's still worship. Why? Because they know he's the source. Do you know that all of creation, the Bible says, worships the creator of the universe. And yet we are the only ones with a soul and yet we are the last ones to choose to worship. Why is that? Because we can be so caught up and distracted, and we can be so caught up in what we have going on and being frustrated about that one little sucker at work who's just sucking all the life out of you. You know what I'm saying? And you can be so frustrated about a relationship or desiring something you don't have that we can miss all these things, because our minds are set on all these other things. And God is wanting us to set our mind on him. And through that, what happens is there's this worship that comes from us. I was staring at these trees. I'm listening to this. And I encourage you to do so yourself. Actually, in fact, all of the really big time uh, self-help people that aren't even Christians, they all say, get out in nature. And like they'll, they'll, they, they, they understand as a biblical principle without using the Bible. It's like, get out in nature and, and let, let the earth revive you. They say all these different things. And why? Because as you get understand the worship in, of the trees and the worship of the rain and the worship of, it's all God worshiping. So what happens is now, as I set my mind on that, my desire changed. The very trees that were making the shh, made me in the middle of a parking lot want to worship him. You're like, man, this dude's a tree hugger. I'm sure the people walking by me, and I'm like tearing up. They're probably like, this dude's a real tree. This, this brother, we got we to we run away from this dude. I'm not trying to be a tree hugger. What I'm trying to do is let you know there is a world that has been created all around us that all, is, all their attention is number one, worshiping the creator of the world. The only ones that have been created are the ones with souls that are us and the only ones that are so distracted mentally that we can just go throughout our day and be unaware that there is a God of the universe is here and he is the source of all that we need. 
All we have to do is set our minds on him. And so here I am in the middle of a parking garage, garage on the top of a parking garage, not in the middle. I wish I was in the middle, but it's okay. It's all, I'm working through it. At the top of a parking garage. And I began to sing praises to God. Now it was quiet because I didn't want people to freak out and be weird. My hands were like this. You know what I'm saying? They weren't up. They were like, come on, here it is, God. Here's my... <laughs> the people walking by like, what is that, that, that dude? <laughs> Anyways, that Isn't it interesting that we serve a God so great that everything on this planet knows there's nothing greater? And so everything on this planet worships him first. And isn't it interesting? The very ones that have the mental capacity to understand are the ones that first say, me. What I am going through is what I want to set my mind on. What I'm frustrated about, I'm setting my mind. Isn't it interesting? The ones that have the mental capacity to understand are the last usually to give him honor and to give him praise. That's why he says in Colossians, set your mind. Why? Because if I set my mind, here's what happens. My eyes are drawn to. And as I, I draw my eyes too, now things begin to change. It's so interesting. Even though I was teaching this message, I knew I was this week. These things happened to me this week and I would never even put two and two together. Uh, my mind was not set on him. And through just studying the, the, the creation and through studying the scripture, my mind was just naturally just thinking about those things. And so I hear the sound of the, rain, the wind. And so I stop for a minute and I pause and I watch. My mind was set, my eyes are drawn. And then from my eyes being drawn, something happened in my heart that literally no Nobody was around. Nobody said you should worship God. Nobody said he's greater than anything else. Something in me just said, God, you are so good. Why? I set my mind. It's so important as believers that we would be a people that set our minds on Jesus. Set our minds. Moral excellence. Secondly, very quickly, it says this, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Supplement with your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. Moral excellence with knowledge. Moral excellence is setting my mind. Well, how do we really set our minds? I'm glad you asked. We set our minds by what we set our minds on will be determined really by the things that we fill our minds with. What I fill my mind with is what I'm going to set my mind on. So that's why I love it right here. Peter says, listen, I want you to understand. I want you to, I want you to have moral excellence. I want you to set your mind on things that are above, on Jesus. Well, how do I do that? You've got to fill your life. Fill your mind with things above. You know what's interesting as humans? We fill our minds with so, much, so many things that have nothing to do with God. We fill our lives and our minds with so many things and then here's what happens. We come in here on a Sunday 
And we say, okay, God, you got to readjust my life. You got to change and transform. You got you to shift some things. And so we expect God to do this miraculous work, and he can. But really what he wants us to do is practically say, okay, God, I want to set my mind on you. Well, how do I do that? I have to fill my mind up with things of you because what you fill your mind up with is what you will set your mind on. What you set your mind on is what your eyes will look to. What you set your eyes to look to will be what you live your life like. The very things that you are walking through in your life that you're struggling with more than likely have to do with you have filled your mind up in the past with something in your life. And now it's become a struggle for you because really the scripture calls them strongholds. And that's a prison in your mind. And then what happens is we end up living out our lives like that. So this is why I love he says knowledge. What does it mean? Knowledge means I'm gaining information. I want to fill my mind up with the word of God. Again, the Bible is not some old book that we just read. And it's just something we do out of a duty to make us feel like better Christians. The Bible is there so that we can set our minds, we can fill our minds and set our minds on Jesus. Why? So that we can really live the life that he's called us and created us to live. It's interesting to me. As humans, as Christians, we have gotten to the place, and it's just the enemy, it's the enemy of our soul. And we'll talk about that in a second. But it's interesting to me how we have gotten to a place in our lives where we think devotion and reading and studying the Bible is work. Oh man, I just haven't had the time today, man. I've been so busy. Like, oh, I, just, I, just don't, I just can't today. I can't study. I can't read today. I just can't do it. I just don't. It is what... All throughout the scripture we can read. And I've never seen one time where the scripture says relationship with God is work. It's a joy. It's a get to, not have to. But what the enemy has done in our minds is he's filled our minds, hear me, he's filled our minds with so much stuff, some of it junk, some of it not, with so much stuff that then what happens is when we get to the place where we want to or we feel like our spirit is saying we desire to study the word or we desire to pray, we desire to see God, now our minds are so overloaded with outside information that our minds are just like, I'm too tired, I can't do it. So here's what we do. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to veg out. I'm just going to veg out. Here's the problem about vegging out. We veg out, and what do we do? We get the remote, turn the TV on. And now I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to veg out for a little while. Four hours later, Netflix is reminding you that it's been four hours. And they tell you, are you sure you want to keep watching? Yes. Isn't it interesting that we think filling our minds, it's just the enemy, but I'm gonna talk to you for a second. Isn't it interesting that we think filling our minds with things of the world is rest, but filling our minds with things of God is work? Why is that? Let me explain why. Because the enemy of your soul knows. Hear me, oh my goodness, this is so good. I, I told you I was never gonna get to point seven, but it's okay, we're on point two. And it, it's so interesting. Here's what, here's what, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
the way we are transformed, not the way we're saved. You're saved by believing in him. But the way that we are transformed, meaning I'm saved, I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm a son or a daughter with, in, in God. Yes, that's by believing in him. Then the way that I'm transformed into being who God has called me to be is by renewing my mind first. Well, how do I renew my mind? I have to fill my mind up with the things of God. So the enemy of our soul knows this. So here's what he does. He says, you know what? I'm not worried about them being saved. They can be saved. I don't want them becoming transformed into who God has called them to be, into being living truly free, into being living truly godly people. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna fill their mind with all the things of this world to the point of where they think that is what... (sighs) makes them feel good when in fact all that's doing is creating more anxiety and more fear and more stress and more worry and more doubt because it's the things of the world and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to create this deception that reading the word and, and praying and spending time in, with God in relationship is this work and this effort because if I do that they won't do it and then their minds will never be tr- uh, renewed and from their minds never being renewed they'll never be transformed Here's the question that we have to get real serious about for all of us in the room and online. What are you filling your mind with? Because what you fill your mind with is what you will set your mind on. And what you set your mind on is what you will see in your, and be aware of in your life. And what you see where your eyes look is where you will live. The enemy knows this. We fill their minds. Am I saying Netflix is bad? No. Am I saying TV is bad? No. I am saying it's bad if it, take, if it takes the place of your relationship with God. And we can use, it's so scary, we could talk about this another day, but we can use TV, social media, we can use these different technologies that we have nowadays, which are all great, but we can use them as, as, as an escape from the pain and the struggle and the anxieties and the fears of our lives, when that is even worse, now we're going to a source that's in the world that will never heal us, that will never redeem us, that will never free us, and we're going to this source to find this escape just for a moment so we don't have to worry about all the things in the world. When God is sitting there saying, all you have to do, come to me. Come to me, the Bible says, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Who do you think that is? That's us. And the Bible says, I love it. He says, and you will find rest. Not sleep. He says, rest for your soul. (sighs) Now I realize when I spend time with God, it's not work. It's a joy. Why? Because when I spend time with him, when I study, when I pray, Now, he's refreshing and renewing my soul. He's renewing my mind. And from renewing my mind, I'm being transformed into who he's called me and who I desire to be in my life. But here's the question. What are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your mind with? Because the enemy will do this. The enemy will fill our minds with everything that he could possibly fill it with to the point of where we have no room for anything else. And when we do that, now what happens is now we're expecting our own information and the world's information and our own knowledge and the world's knowledge to be the thing that leads us. And let's be honest, the world that we're living in, it ain't looking so hot. 
So why is it that we would be the one, we would let them be the one to lead us? I challenge you with this in closing. What is your mind filled with? If you could take one thing away today, I would tell you this. Fill your mind on things of God. If you gotta turn the Netflix off, oh my gosh, turn it off. If you gotta shut down the social, 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 social media, shut it off. Oh, 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 everybody watches this stuff and everybody's watching this TV show and everybody uses these social media and everybody's going, everybody's gonna take that. Yeah, and everybody else is like, ah, too. How do we really prepare for his promises? One of his promises is that he'll transform us and that we would have life and life more abundantly. It's one of his promises. How do we prepare for that? We've got to set our mind on things above. But not just set our minds. We have to also then say, okay, what is the knowledge that I'm receiving? What am I filling my mind up with? Because what I fill my mind up with is what I'll set my mind to. What I set my mind to is what my eyes will look to. What I look, what I look to is what will end up causing me to live the way that I'm living. And so I would challenge you. Maybe you got to revert. you got to reset. you got to do some things and say, you know what? I've been thinking too much about this or I've been think, filling my mind too much with this. Maybe it's time to hit that hard reset. Why? Because I don't want the end of 2023 to be struggling with the same things as the end of 2022. Nothing's going to change if we don't change here first. I can promise you this. Nothing in your life will change if you don't first change here. But I can also promise you this. This year, if you make this a focus in your life, the end of 2023 will look different for you. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. Why? Because this is where the enemy wants to come against. He wants to fill our minds with all the junk. And so here's what I would challenge you with. As you leave today, you have your time alone in your car, you have your time alone in your house, whatever it is, that you would take some, a moment, take a few moments, and you would ask God, what have I been filling my mind with? Because I desire to fill my, li- my mind with things of you. And I desire to then set my mind on you. Because I know if I do that, God, I will receive all of the promises that you have for me. Because you are a good God. And you choose to give those promises. All I have to do is supplement them with moral excellence and knowledge. Let's be a church. Let's be individuals. You may not come to this church. All good. Let's all be people. Let's say, this year, I'm going to fill my mind with things of God. I'm going to fill my mind with things that are of above. I'm going to set my mind not on this world and all this garbage and all this junk and all this drama. I'm going to set my mind on things above because I know as I do that, God's going to transform me into his likeness. And I'm going to have life and life more abundantly. Amen. Can we pray today, Father?